I'm talking with Ken Golden, professor of mathematics and adjunct professor of bioengineering at the University of Utah, about his research into sea ice. So, so you went down there as an undergraduate to do research, and, and now you're involving undergraduates as well? Absolutely. Um, that's been one of the most exciting things that has been into sea ice work, particularly in the last several years. How I got started in this was the uh, National Science Foundation Bigger Grant that our department got, I believe, I believe it was in 2001 was the first one. We've gotten a follow-up, I guess, about a, year, uh, a couple of years ago. But the first one, I had not really worked extensively with undergraduates before, but in this grant was uh, there were uh, research positions for, for undergraduates to work with professors. And um, I figured, hey, let's, let's give it a shot. And the first one, there was a student, Amy Heaton. I was teaching calculus. I always make a point of taking a day out in any class that I teach from beginning calculus up to graduate level, and I tell them about what I'm doing. I show them videos from previous Antarctic expeditions and things like this to try to make it exciting to show them, because I doubt that they expect to see penguins in calculus class. So I try to defy their expectations, but also show them how the mathematics they're learning, like calculus, is, is related to the things that, I'm, that we're studying uh, in the Antarctic. And after giving one of those presentations, a young 17-year-old freshman named Amy Heaton walked up to me and said very definitively, I want to do sea ice for my undergraduate research. And basically, in two, three years, she had done all this amazing work with me. She's a co-author on two major papers in this area. Actually, the, right now, she's actually finishing her Ph.D. in chemistry at the University of Utah. But she's in the position that she's in and such has gone, you know, been able to advance so rapidly in her career, partly because she, you know, did a lot of this great work as an undergraduate and got exposed to research. You know, she's just an extremely uh, excellent lecturer. She's got all kinds of experience. And as I said, she's been published as an undergraduate. And there have been a whole, no a whole host of students that I've involved in this way. Actually, in the past several years, I've brought six undergraduates up to the Arctic, and I've now brought uh, one math student, uh, namely Adam Gooley, as I mentioned, to the Antarctic. As I said, the sea ice business is a very interdisciplinary topic, and in particular, I have involved students with a, a wide range of majors. Basically, I've had uh, students with majors, and double majors as well, combinations of these, but in majors in mathematics, physics, chemistry, bioengineering, biology, and mechanical engineering. And these students have all been involved in the, in the sea ice problem. So mathematically, they've been involved not only in the field work, but in, in mathematical modeling and numerical work and just whatever mathematical methods we need to study this sea ice problem, they've been involved in. And I think it's been extremely useful for them. And uh, as I said, they've, most of them have been published. They've all been giving lectures on their work. They've all done a lot of traveling. Even as a junior, I sent Amy Heaton down to New Zealand to talk about our joint sea ice research. It was pretty, pretty amazing. And, and to this day, I still get, I still get comments uh, from those people down in uh, New Zealand in the physics department, how impressed they were with this little junior that came down to, you know, give a lecture on the on the fluid transport properties of sea ice. Um, it was really quite quite impressive, actually. So, well, Ken, is there anything you'd like to add? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would I would say that uh, one of the things that I haven't really touched on is um, that a lot of our work, as you mentioned at the very beginning, I'm I'm an adjunct professor of bioengineering, and um, I'd like to add that uh, that a lot of the sea ice work. You know, I already said it's, it's highly interdisciplinary, but it's also closely related. The, the microstructure of sea ice closely related to structures in the human body, and in particular, lungs and bones. And so, for example, one of my colleagues, Elena Turkayev, she, she and I worked together a number of years ago on developing an inverse method for recovering, uh, using electromagnetic methods to recover the porosity, uh, brine porosity, namely the cover, recover information about the brine volume fraction in sea ice, which, as I said, is one of the key parameters characterizing the state of the ice. And that problem of, of recovering 
the brine volume fraction, the porosity of the sea ice, it's extremely close to monitoring uh, porosity in bone. And in particular, Lena and one of her bioengineering graduate students has adapted similar methods that we developed for, uh, for recovering brine porosity in sea ice. She's recovered to monitoring osteoporosis in bone, as I said, using, using similar methods. Because as I, as I like to say, uh, the math doesn't care if it's sea ice or bone. It's, you know, from the mathematical perspective, it's all the same thing. That's the, the beauty and the power of mathematics is that the mathematics just doesn't care. It's, it's math, and the, that's part of the beauty and the power of mathematics. You can, you can transfer uh, mathematical techniques from one area to another if it's appropriate. I had another student who's a double major in mathematics and bioengineering named Megan Morris, and she worked with me and an associate professor of mathematics named Jingyi Zhu, um, a numerical expert. She worked with us in helping to develop a numerical model for describing fluid flow through sea ice, namely with, with what we call a random pipe model, which is where the pipe sizes are chosen according to measured distributions in, in sea ice. And we've numerically modeled the flow of, of, of seawater or whatever, or a fluid through, through this, this numerical model of porous microstructure. Anyway, what, she's, what Megan is now doing and has been doing for the last couple of years is adapting that model that we developed for sea ice, but to model airflow through lungs. And so it's a very similar mathematical problem. Most of the technology and the ideas that we developed for the, for the sea ice problem can now be adapted to modeling airflow through, uh, through lungs. And in particular, so the microstructure is different. You know, it's, it's now a branched microstructure to model, to look, you know, look like the, uh, what a lung looks like. Um, and there's many levels of generation and of the branching and so on. And she's uh, incorporated all kinds of physiologically accurate details into her uh, numerical model of a lung. But the point is, again, the math doesn't care if it's a sea ice, if it's sea ice or a lung or bone or whatever. It just, you know, that's the beauty of mathematics. And that's why as mathematicians we can address a lot of sort of fundamental issues across disciplines because it's really the mathematics that counts. I mean, in some sense, mathematics is the platform. It's the operating system upon which scientific inquiry is built and is, and is conducted. And it's that power that gives us the ability to sort of transfer from, from geophysics over to biology. Even just another example is I mentioned that there was this fundamental finding, this rule of fives that we had investigated a number of years, about 10 years ago, and published a paper in Science uh, to actually show that percolation theory does explain this fundamental sort of permeable-impermeable transition in sea ice. And in particular, the way we quantitatively explained that and were able to predict the 5% was not to study sea ice itself, but to simply realize that the microstructure of sea ice was extremely similar in, in fundamental ways to the microstructure of so-called radar-absorbing or stealthy composites, the kinds of materials that they coat these radar-evading aircraft with. And there had been some, some continuum percolation theories developed back in the 1960s to, to get better versions of those kinds of materials and to understand their properties and so on. And I simply observed that the microstructure of those materials, these so-called compressed powder microstructures that they develop, big polymer particles with little metal particles interspersed on the grain boundaries, let's say, in between them, that those microstructures were extremely similar to the, to the ice brine microstructure of sea ice. And so we adapted their continuum percolation theory from, from these radar-absorbing or stealthy materials to the sea ice world, and we were able to explain these fundamental processes. Wow. That's Ken Golden, who's the professor of mathematics uh, and adjunct professor of bioengineering at the University of Utah. Ken, thanks a lot. You're, you're very welcome, Mike. It's really a pleasure. Thanks.